Please do be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, beginning at verse 34. It can be found on page 138 of the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, the Apostle Peter speaks to Cornelius' household about the good news of Jesus Christ being for all people. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear Not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. The Gospel reading is taken from John chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 123 of the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we hear what happened on Easter morning and of Mary Magdalene's encounter with the risen Jesus. Early on the first day of the week, While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. 
he bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she bent over it to look into the tomb, And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, She turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabune, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please do be seated and shall we pray together. Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding that this morning on this your Easter day, your Holy Spirit would be our teacher to awaken our minds, expand our hearts and shape our identity in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We thought we were going directly to heaven. We believed we were going directly the opposite way. The words perhaps of, the greatest words perhaps of, the opening of any novel by Charles Dickens in A Tale of Two Cities, but think not of his description of the French Revolution in 1775. Rather think 
of the scene outside a tomb, 1775 years before, on the day the revolution did begin. And time and history changed forever. There we meet Mary. Let's just say in her life she knew the season of darkness and the winter of despair until she'd met Jesus and her life had been transformed. And all those feelings of hope and light that had come into her life had kind of been ripped from her soul over the past few days and she now gazes at this empty tomb where Jesus has been laid to rest. If you've stood at a graveside and wept, you've known Mary. There she stands, nothing hurts like this, in tears and sobbing as if life can't go any lower. And now her precious Jesus, that she thought she'd laid to rest, she now sees an empty tomb before her and sees nobody there. So she runs the other ways through bleary eyes and incredulity and seeing nothing before her. Now we meet Peter and John locked in a room in a state of equal incredulity. Were the last three years all for nothing? How could we have been so foolish, wallowing in their crushed dreams and shattered hopes? They're looking for some sort of wisdom that will reignite their belief when they hear Mary's bang on the door. Having heard Mary's news, they run together to the tomb, but John outran Peter. But John looks into the tomb, and Peter gets into the tomb. But then Peter keeps looking while John gets it, in part, he believes, we're told, without understanding. For Peter, normally so impulsive, he's hesitant because there are deeper scars to heal and another episode to follow. But as Teresa read for us, we see Peter so bold and confident in Acts because he had understood from the Scriptures and had that encounter with the risen Jesus of why he had rose from the dead. But now Peter and John depart and Mary remains and stares. Still weeping, she looks inside. Still in incredulity, she stares at the empty tomb. Still in despair, she looks for Jesus foolishly. Still in darkness, she cannot see the light. Then she, who she thinks is the gardener, speaks. Woman, why are you weeping? For whom you are looking? You can tell the gardener was a man, can't you? Mary's response tells you everything we need to know. Her state of mind, her anxious emotions, her shattered soul. One word, though, was all it took. One word. That word was her name. Mary. You see, she'd been so used to, in life, being called by other names that when one person had called her name for the first time in many years, a few years before, Mary, it had transformed her life. And now, again, 
Mary. Her direction changes, her trajectory shifts, her force erupts from going one way to directly going the other, from nothing before her, now everything is before her. From despair and darkness springs hope and light. From incredulity, belief awakens. From foolishness comes wisdom, and from the worst of times arises the best of times. I have seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. And it changed everything. You see, make Christianity about good ethics. And the danger is, is all we do is we create a bunch of people who follow a list of rules. It has this potential to become dull and boring. Make Christianity just about good advice. And what follows is we create a people of smart thinkers who have the danger of thinking we, we know it all. But let's face it in life, how many of us really follow good advice and who really likes to know it all? It's why Christianity isn't primarily about good ethics or good advice, as much as that might help us in life. It's about good news. Good news because it's true. I have seen the Lord. And Mary, in that moment, becomes the first Christian. Because what's a Christian? A Christian is this. A Christian believes that Jesus has died. That he's died for each one of us and that God raised him from the dead. And a Christian is someone who's had an encounter with the risen Jesus. Been born again, I've seen the Lord. And at that moment, at that point in history, the only person of whom both things are true was Mary. The good news of the Easter story of how we have been crucified with Christ And when that occurs in our life, Christ comes to live in us. But not only does Christ come to live in us, the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit who had the power to reignite Jesus' heartbeat after three days laying on a slab, dead, comes to live in us. That's why it's good news. And so a few weeks ago now, I'm walking on an afternoon pilgrimage that starts at the steps of Salisbury Cathedral and that will end in this rural hamlet of this village called Bemerton, where the famous 19th century poet George Herbert lived out the last of his days as rector of that parish. And as we go from A to B, we go along a track that meanders through the water meadows of Salisbury. And we stop at a gate. And as we stop at the gate, we look up and we see the magnificence before us of Salisbury Cathedral that still today dominates the skyline of the city wherever you look. It's here that John Constable painted his most famous painting, Salisbury Cathedral from the Water Meadows. It's this painting that you can see now on our screens. This famous painting. Took him three years to paint. I wonder as you look at that painting, what do you see? What's your eyeline drawn towards? Where do you see the the big all brushstrokes of the painting? Where do you see the levels of detail? Where do you see what might have been his creative license? Where do you see the funny bits or the obscure bits? You know, this is one of the most famous paintings in the world. But the more I've looked at this painting, 
over these past few weeks, the more it reminds me of the good news of the Easter story. You see, here's why. It reminds me of three things. Firstly, it reminds me of the good news of the Easter story, of how it turns the grief of death to the joy of new life. You see, when we, when we think about it, for Mary on that Easter day, it was the worst of times. And also, it was the best of times. As we can see in that picture of nature, what it tells us is in nature and in humanity, without death, there's no resurrection. Death is the engine of life. You know, and I see images of death and life all over that painting. Do you see them? The contrasts of darkness and light in the skyline, in the, in the scenery. Some notice a grave marker in that painting. Others notice the elder bush just to the left of the horse and cart with the white flowers coming on it. And of course, if you know nature, you'll know the elder bush is a symbol of death. It's said that John Constable painted this painting while he was suffering from grief, the grief of the death of his own wife. But what you cannot fail to notice is the image of life, seen most of all in that tall tree that kind of is reaching to the skyline. It's an ash tree in nature, a symbol of life, of new life. If I've seen the Lord and starting life over, I wonder, do we believe? Do we really believe the good news of the Easter story? That Jesus died on a cross for you and me and God raised him back to life three days later. And if we had that encounter with the risen Jesus, that just changes everything in life. But also it reminds me, just like as I was walking through the water meadows, they're kind of, if you've ever walked through them, they meander. And kind of so much of Christianity and the Christian life is a meandering journey, isn't it? It'd be so easy if we just went from point A to point B, but often we kind of take the windy sort of road. But each time in our lives for growth to occur, we've got to come back to the good news of Easter story, of death and resurrection. Where might something need to die in our lives for new life to begin? You see, the good news of the Easter story reminds us how the grief of death turns to the joy of new life. The good news of the Easter story also reminds us how despairing doubt turns to exuberant confession you see there's Mary on Easter day and her incredulity turns to belief you see without the resurrection there's, there's no Christianity is there you see the Easter story is this picture of faith and resurrection see and I see in this painting yes by the 
kind of small church in the left-hand side, halfway up, but ultimately in the magnificence of that cathedral, kind of reaching up to the skies. And at the top of that cathedral, at the top of the spire, it's an empty cross. A cross that in Jesus' day was a one-way ticket to going the other way. But as Paul reminds us, God's foolishness is wiser than, than man's wisdom. That instead, it's an opportunity to not think of ourselves directly going to heaven, but of creating a new canvas, of painting a new picture of heaven on earth now by the way in which we live our lives, having seen the risen Jesus. So where do we need the faith to believe? Where does our faith need to be strengthened this morning? Where do we need to see the Lord arrive in our lives? You see, the good news of the Easter story reminds us how the grief of death turns to the joy of new life. It just reminds us how despairing doubt turns to Exuberant confession. And then thirdly, it reminds us how shattered dreams turn to the blessings of hope. You see, for Mary on that first Easter day, her winter of darkness, of shattered dreams, turns into this spring of hope, of new life. Because the Easter story is a picture of hope and love. And when you look at this painting, you cannot failed to see the original symbol in the Bible of hope and love. The rainbow. When God says, never again. Never again. And on Easter day, God said, never again will death triumph. It's a symbol of hope. Because hope is to human existence what oxygen is to the lungs. So where might our hopes be crushed? Are our dreams shattered? And where do we need to breathe in the good news of hope? Have I seen the Lord? The good news of the Easter story reminds us how the grief of death turns to the joy of new life. It reminds us how despairing death turns to exuberant confession and it reminds us how shattered dreams turn to the blessings of hope. So may we go from here and go and paint in the, on the canvas of our lives the Easter story knowing that God will do everything he promised. His love is eternal and he will complete in you the work he has begun. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.